I'm Chris Epting, and this is In the Pipeline, a Huntington Beach podcast. There are a lot of musical artists that are either from Huntington Beach or who grew up here or who've spent a lot of time here. Long, long list, including Band Avenged Sevenfold, um, Scott Weiland, lead singer from Stone Temple Pilots, went to Edison High School. You got the Vandals, Dirty Heads, TSOL, really long and impressive list. And one of those guys on the list is John McPhee. Not common. Uh, mistake is to think it's John McVie from Fleetwood Mac, but it's not. John McVie has been in the Doobie Brothers for the last 40 years. And before that, he was, I mean, he had a band called Clover in the early 70s, which was like a kind of a country rock outfit from Northern California. Went over to England, and they were a great band. They still are. I mean, you can you can get their, their music. John has done a really good job, I think, of... of repackaging it and putting it out there to remind people what this band was like. And they were an interesting band. They were Elvis Costello's backup band on Elvis's debut album, My Aim is True. Uh, you know, they came back to the States after relocating to England and they broke up and one of their lead vocalists, Huey Lewis, went on and formed his own band. Uh, John played in a variety of situations. Uh, he played with the Grateful Dead. He played um, on the Steve Miller album, Fly Like an Eagle, played with Boss Skaggs, played with, uh, who else, the Beach Boys. I mean, he just just an incredible list. He was on Van Morrison's Tupelo Honey album, just, just to name a few. And as I learned last year backstage with the Doobie Brothers, John went to high school in Huntington Beach. I had no idea. He was a product of Huntington Beach as a teenager, and we were talking about it this night. He actually went to both Marina and Huntington Beach High School, as he will explain in our conversation here. But uh, John's a fascinating guy. When he joined the Doobies in 1979, he uh, he sort of took over for Jeff Skunk Baxter, who had been the lead guitar player for a number of years. And again, for 40 years, John's been at the front line. If you go see the Doobies today, which I highly encourage because they still put on an amazing show, it's Tom Johnston, Pat Simmons, and John McPhee. That is the front line, those three guys. That's who you see up front. And as the guys in the band say, John can basically play anything with strings on it, and he does during the shows and, and sings and just plays incredible pedal steel and guitar and, and fiddle and everything. So John is, is a very talented guy. He's a great storyteller, and we had a really good time talking about his time in Huntington Beach. So without further ado, my conversation with Doobie Brother and Huntington Beach native John McPhee. So John, why don't you take us back a little bit to your your life in Huntington Beach, how you got there, when you got there, where you went to school. Set the table for us as far as your life uh, here in Surf City. Uh, yeah, Surf City. Well, it, it is Surf City, but it's, uh, you know, there's a reason that the, uh, the, the team is the Oilers, yes. too. And that's what really brought me down to the area. Uh, my dad was a uh, uh, worked in the oil fields and in California, and uh, which was this was back in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And so we were, you know, I was born up in Santa Cruz, which also, by the way, I, I realize 
there's a big competition about this Surf City title. There's enough, Santa Cruz, yeah, there's enough lawyers that'll line up for that competition, too, as it's happening. <laughs> yeah, to be, what's the real Surf City? <laughs> but uh, I'm going to stay out of that debate, being kind of having connections to both. <laughs> and, but, but what really brought me down to the area was my dad working in the oil fields. And um, at a certain point, God, I forget the exact year, but when we moved down to Orange County, it was still all agriculture it was mm-hmm. strawberry fields and orange groves and and oil derricks <laughs> right and uh, that's then the days when signal hill was completely in long beach was area was completely covered the, the thickest you know per, per square foot population of oil derricks probably anywhere right. on the planet back then and you don't even see any anymore down there but that was what was going on and so that's how we ended up down there and and this was at a time, by the time I was getting into high school, um, I ended up going to three different high schools because they, I lived on at a, a, an area where it's like, I, I, I think it might have been just county property at the time as, as opposed to being part of the city of Westminster mm-hmm. or Fountain Valley or Huntington Beach. It was like right on the cusp of all that. Like unincorporated. And this was right, yeah, and unincorporated. That's like, that's what the word I was looking for. But it was, uh, what they, well, they sent me to Westminster High School. Then they went, they built a new high school, Marina, mm-hmm. <laughs> was brand new at the time. Well, they sent me there for a while and then to Huntington. So I ended up going for <laughs> periods of time to, to all the high schools <laughs> down there. So that's my. Did you my graduate from Huntington? No, no, I, I graduated from, uh, ended up being, ended up being at, uh, at, at uh, Marina. Oh, but uh, well, you really yeah, passed around. Yeah, so I'm not part of. I'm really not even part of any graduating class because I graduated in the middle of the year because I was, well, you know, it, I'd been I skipped some grades in elementary school and then they put me on accelerated. This was back before they had GEDs, but I graduated at a very early age, so I was wasn't really even in high school that long. Huh. <laughs> yeah. John, were you but, playing music was, when you when you're you know when you're a teenager in Huntington Beach? W- at what point is music becoming a big part of your life? Um, I, I well, I music was always part of my life because my dad, who, who was an oil field worker, was also a musician, and he was a country musician. So I grew up with country music, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, he had me. He had he was he had a ukulele in my hand before I could walk. So he was teaching me chords on the ukulele as an infant. And then the other instruments were around the house, you know, banjos and everything. And I, I grew up just like music was like this magical world to me where it didn't matter what I looked like or if somebody thought I was, you know, you know, less than them or anything else. Nothing mattered except what I could create. So I, I really gravitated towards music throughout my all, all of my younger years. And by the time I was a teenager, I'm the generation where the Beatles all of a sudden popped right. onto the scene. And it went from, I, all I'd ever heard was country music to, hey, you've got to check this out, these guys. And it was like Beatlemania hits, and then everybody wants to have a band. And so, I, hey, that McPhee kid, he, he already knows how to play. Let's get him in our band. <laughs> you know, Um Maybe he could. Maybe he knows the chords to these. He can figure out the chords to these Beatles songs. <laughs> Funny. And uh, so that's how I kind of got pulled into rock and roll, which I 
I liked when I heard it, but prior to that, all I'd ever really heard was country music. So I mean, it was a, I'm just, just kind of snuck into rock and roll is what it's always felt like. But yeah, as a teenager, I was playing in bands around Orange County, you know, and uh, playing all the little tiny places that, you know. Have I was going to say, do you remember, do you remember the Golden Bear growing up or in Huntington specifically in terms yes, of venues? I do. I do. I remember I used to go to the Golden Bear to hear like Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee and Ian and Sylvia and gosh, the Dillards, uh, Jose Feliciano. They had so, such a variety of, of, of music coming through there. It, what a great place it was. And it was, that was back before starting anyway, when it was really more the folk scene and acoustic music. Well, that's the th- exactly uh, right. When the Golden Bear was sort of reopened in the early 60s, it's, it coincided with the folk movement, and all of a sudden now, you, you have this really great venue that was pulling in, like you say, some, some very important names, and it had to be incredible to be living in town, to be able to go a couple of blocks and see those sorts of performers um, for a couple of bucks at the Golden Bear. Well, it was amazing, and it, it was really my brother that was had more awareness of what was going on. That, that he was two years older than me. That said, "Hey, you know these guys, Sonny Terry and Brian McGee. This is cool. Exposed, exposing me to the blues, and, mm-hmm. you know." And I was like, "Wow, that's cool too." <laughs> and uh, you know, so it was it was uh, Golden Bear. Really, for me, was a, an eye opener to all these different uh, you know musical styles that I, I hadn't previously, like I say, been unaware of. So, uh, you know, socially, what a great function it served, you know, to, I don't know, bring, you know, to these different musical styles to, to people like me that, you know, Cutting your teeth. You know, it's funny. The only show my wife ever saw at the Golden Bear, she's not from Huntington Beach, was she saw Huey Lewis in the news in the mid-'80s there. And, <laughs> wow. and I know you weren't with Huey at that point, but did you ever – there is obviously a connection there with you. But did you ever play the Golden Bear uh, before that in the 60s or, or early 70s or anything? I, I think I did, but I don't totally remember. But I remember when I started having electric groups, I saw some – it was a group. What were they called? Some group from New York, and I think Butterfield played there. Yep. Butterfield Blues Band. They definitely did. And, and and I think I saw them. And around that time, I think one of my little bands we got to play there or something. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember which band it was or what exactly we did, but it was. Uh, I remember being backstage there, so we must I must have played there. Right, right. Yeah. John, what do you remember about Huntington Beach as a teenager? As you know, it's changed a lot, obviously. But what are your memories as a kid? Of of being you know living close to the ocean like that and and what was the, what, what the community was like I mean do you do you think back about how the city was uh, back in the late fifties early sixties Yeah I do I mean um, it was I thought I always thought it was kind of it was a, a great place to be because that was well you know that I, I, another thing that my growing up coincided with was the, the whole surf craze mm-hmm. and boom. That, that 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 happened, and uh, when you know styrofoam surfboards were, <laughs> you know, <laughs> foam board. Wow, they're not made out of wood anymore. It was it was happening, and and wow, Huntington Beach Pier and Jack's Surf Shop, and I remember they had these. Had, what was it? Taco strips that they sold, <laughs> and uh, the Pavilion. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you remember was, the Pavilion? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
which is now where Dukes so, is I, today. There's Dukes, Dukes Restaurant basically sits on the footprint of what the Pavilion was and then Maxwell's after that. Um, and the, well, it's it's pretty amazing. It's changed so much. And I have one of my friends from high school, a guy named Ron Hayden, and he became, he was like the guy that ran the Huntington Beach Library. For he did. Okay, Ron Hayden was amazing. He was the guy that made a lot of news at the library. I don't know if you remember this, but it's probably about 15 years or so ago when cell phones were first becoming really intrusive. He passed a, a, like mm-hmm. a law in the library where they would fine you like real money. Uh, if you were on your cell phone in the library and it got like national attention because a lot of people said, uh-huh. right, we, we want to be in a place where you don't get interrupted. But there were like freedom of speech issues and all that. But he was pretty bold with that. And uh, I remember uh-huh. cause I, I know Ron and his family. Great, great guy. And uh, I was I was proud that he pushed that through. I love that we have a great library here in Huntington. And I like that he was trying to mm-hmm. maintain the peace of it all and sort of the sanctity of silence in a library. Yeah, no, well, that that's really cool. I didn't actually know about that, by the way. But I, but Ron was one of my friends. One of the I, I didn't really have a lot of friends <laughs> when, I was, when I was in school. I was kind of a, you know, I don't know, kind of an outcast, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But Ron was one of a, a small group of guys that actually, for whatever reason, tolerated me. Wow, and um, and. Uh, and I and I got and only I hadn't seen the Ron or my other friends from high school for like over forty years, I think until a, a few years ago when one of them who had actually found me when I was in Southern Pacific and I'd seen him once or twice, and he said, "Hey, we let's let's all get together." And they they came out to one of our shows, oh, cool. and I, I kind of reconnected with those guys, and it was really cool. You know, and Ron, like you say, he is a great guy, and he always was. And so that's that's really, I'm not surprised that he did that. You know, a, a good thing for the city. Yeah. There, did you know. did you surf when, when you talk about the surf craze kind of starting? Were you a surfer as a teenager? I was, yeah. Uh, not a very good one, mind you. I never have been very good, but I'm. <laughs> but you I'm went a, out there. An avid surfer, and uh, and I still surf when I can. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, I grew up with that, and it was like. You know, kind of a big deal, and you know, again, back to Huntington, the, the pier having that there, and going, you know, have not hard to get down to Newport or other right, right. breaks, and people, you know, you know, that was my God, wow. John, as a musician, was, did you get caught up in, in surf music back then with Beach Boys, Jan and Dean? I mean, was that part of your youth culture as well? I heard the music. But I, I didn't, you know, I was, like I say, my idols were these country players, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, Joe Mathis and, and Merle Travis and, and uh, you know, Buck, Buck Owens and, and the, the, you know, the Bakersfield guys. And 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 so the, the, I, I thought I, I liked what I was hearing with Dick Dale. I did go to, I remember going to places like, you know, um, where they would perform, like whether it's the Pavilion or the retail clerks in Buena Park or right. Harmony Park, all those venues, uh, the Rendezvous and Balboa, uh, and hearing, you know, like Dick Dale and Dave Myers on the surf tone to, I think, the house band at uh, Harmony Park. I liked that stuff. And I, I and, and groups, you know, like the Chantays played like at high school gigs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I got to see some of the big surf groups live, even, and I thought it was cool. But I was like, 
you know, like I said, I was more interested in, you know, Merle Travis. <laughs> right, right. Now you went to the you went to Harmony Park Ballroom. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know if you know. There's a bit of trivia about a song that was actually created in that space. Do you know what it was? No. This is cool. There was a guy named Richard Berry, a black R&B singer in the mid-50s. He came down and, and sang with the Rhythm Rockers, who was Barry Rolera and his family from Santa Ana. Very popular. Kind of the first yeah. real band. I remember. Barry used to play out at uh, Disneyland. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. And played with uh, the Righteous Brothers and all that. But when he was in the Rhythm Rockers, mm-hmm. Richard Berry comes down. They put their heads together backstage at the Harmony Park. And they write. They finish off uh, what Richard had started, which was Louie Louie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you was know, written at Harmony Park? That was written backstage. <laughs> I did not know that. That is the birthplace cool. of the rock and roll classic, Louie Louie. So, uh, wow. Isn't that something? Great. I know. People don't realize yeah. the Orange County music, like the rock and roll connections. People don't realize, like when they watched the Beatles um, on Ed Sullivan, uh-huh. the Rickenbacker guitars were made in Santa Ana, where Rickenbacker is. I mean, there's a lot. And then you get Fender. Yeah, it's a yeah well, and... Sure, for sure. Whole other conversation, yeah, but but Orange County, and I think that's why your story is so so compelling for people that you know once they learn about it. John, if you could, for people who don't know, before the Doobie Brothers, obviously the band Clover, which is you know I encourage everyone to check them out because Clover is one of those really kind of I think unsung bands in a lot of ways. Just a tremendous band that when you listen to the records, you realize there's a lot of a lot of special music there. But you yourself played you know on, on so many different. Sessions, whether it was from the Mars Hotel, the Grateful Dead record, Fly Like an Eagle. What are some sessions that you remember that stand out to you today that you're particularly proud of that you listen to? You might hear on the radio today and think, wow, I'm, I'm glad I was fortunate to be in that room at that time playing. Okay, well, gosh, the, the ones you just mentioned for sure. And, and you know, and I, I maybe in particular working with them at the time, I, I never, it's, it's funny because I, I kind of like, I, I've, I've never been, you know, starstruck, but I, it's like, it was only a few years before I was working with them that I was looking at, you know, them <laughs> or whatever, at these album covers of these people that I ended up working with. And somehow, thank God, I wasn't so starstruck that I was like nervous or intimidated when I got asked to play on their recordings. It was like, oh, okay, cool. That's, this is great. I just kind of took it in stride, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly how I was lucky enough to have to, to view it like that, but it, it, it helped. But working with Van was incredible because I, I, he's one of the he's a, the pure artists. I mean, the guy is incapable of, of doing anything phony. When and you didn't just play with Van Morrison. <laughs> We're talking the Tupelo Honey album, the song Wild Night with... Ted Templeman producing. I mean, this this was a big moment. This is a this is an important record. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I didn't know it was more. It was more to me. It was like, wow, this man. Like he heard me playing and ended up calling me and wanting me to play on his recording. I was like, wow, this is great. But I somehow I know, and I again, I don't know why I wasn't like, oh my god, how am I going to get through this? <laughs> it was more like, hey, this is great. <laughs> and it was as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, so I kind of took it in stride, but in retrospect, it's like, man, how lucky am I to have been able to be part of something like that? And it, and it got, it got, Mike, when I was talking about, uh, you know, Butterfield Blues Band, man, it had not been that long before Mike Bloomfield called me to record with him. 
Hmm. That and he was kind of the first real guitar hero guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, before the before there was an Eric Clapton or what or Jimi Hendrix. That's true. It was Mike Bloomfield with with Butterfield. Those guys were pioneers of like this. Wow, just the blues and then expanding on it to more some of the psychedelic the East West album they did and and uh, and Mike Bloomfield invites me to play with him and that was a big deal too. It was like wow, this is a guy that. <laughs> You know, I was just looking at the album covers like a little kid. Going, Man, these guys are cool, and now I'm getting to play with this guy. So it was pretty amazing uh, working with people like that, and and you know, so many of the others. You know, um, and getting to be part, you know, work with the Dead. You know, um, and 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 Steve Miller. I mean, it was, I ended up. I the other day, I, I hadn't thought about this, but I ended up playing on. Some of the original Steve Miller band, uh, their, their solo records, besides Steve Miller, I played on with Boz Skaggs mm-hmm. and with Tim Davis, the original drummer, on his solo record. <laughs> so I was just, somehow these guys would hear me with Clover or whatever and go, hey, I like the way that guy played. Let's get him in on this. Well, that's what it seems like. <laughs> it seems like Clover was really the conduit. It was certainly the conduit. Um, for Elvis Costello, right? Because of management, and you're in England, and Elvis is doing um, my aim is true, the My Aim Is True album, and and there you are right. playing lead guitar on Allison, which I just heard this morning on, in my car, and I was like, you know, God, what a what a moment that had to be too, in terms of records that that really hold up, that were sort of introducing Elvis uh, to the world at large, and there you are front and center playing that beautiful solo. Well, thank you for saying that, but if, you know when that came about. Uh, Jake, our, you know, Jake Riviera, one of our managers, called me up and said, hey, we're signing this guy because they're starting this record company, Stiff Records. And, and their whole thing was to sign artists that no major label would consider, right? right. <laughs> it's like they're going against the grain concept. And we've got, but he called me up to say, we're signing this guy that is a great songwriter, I think. And he sort and, and he it was in his words, he said, he's kind of like a new, new Van Morrison. Wow, and, and I said, well, and he says, we don't have any money to pay you, but we'll give you a percentage of the record. If you guys, he's a Clover fan, if you guys would back him up, I think it'd be a good fit, and da-da-da. I said, well, send me a tape. Send us a tape. And so he sent us a tape, and we were so blown away by his writing. We said, yeah, we'll do it. We're on board. And so he came down to our house. We, have, we, were, we were renting this big place in Hampshire down south of London, and he came down to our house and rehearsed a few songs. So initially, they were just going to do a single. So we rehearsed three or four songs to choose from and went up to London to this little eight-track studio and spent a few hours and cut these songs. And, they, and when, they, they, when Jake and Dave heard it, they said, well, we got to do, let's do, a, let's do a, one side of an album. Let's do, <laughs> let's cut some more tracks. One side will be, <clears throat> and his name was Declan McManus. He was not Elvis Costello. Yet. Right, right. <laughs> He was Declan McManus. He says, one side will be Deck, and the other side will be this guy we're signing, Reckless Eric. <laughs> and so <laughs> he said, okay, so Elvis, so Deck, or Elvis, comes down to our, yeah, Reckless Eric was pretty cool. <laughs> but we, he came back down to our place, and um, and we rehearsed another batch of songs, and we went up again to London and cut these tracks. And amongst the second batch was the song Allison. And when they heard that, they said, we got to do a whole album on this guy. So we did one more little half-day session. The whole album, it's basically a live album with Elvis 
playing rhythm and singing the lead vocals while the whole band is actually playing. No overdubs. I mean, the only overdubs were some background vocals, and he wow. he double tracked his vocal in a couple of places. And but Nick Lowe, who produced it, <clears throat> wouldn't let us punch in a note. Nothing is fixed. All my guitar parts were played live. <laughs> Amazing. I was begging Nick to let me. I, I could play that better. Let me let me punch in. <laughs> that wasn't so the stiff ethos, right? It was like stiff. It had to be real. Yeah. It had to be first first take. It sounds like. And there again, looking back, it's like man, Nick was. What a what a great idea! And uh, to a large degree, that's the way Van Morrison recorded. Mm. By the way, it was like he would just pick the take that he felt had the best overall feel, and that was it. You know, so it was kind of like working with Van, and uh, and I give Nick Lowe a lot of credit for keeping the integrity of like this is real, this mm-hmm. is totally real. <laughs> And then, John, here you are, you know, it's 40 years ago this year that you, you begin your journey with the Doobie Brothers, and that's been a whole other major chapter in your musical life, which has taken you around the planet many, many times to, to a lot of special places to play some, some really incredible music. And I've got to say, I think at some point, you know, Huntington Beach now has started a pretty active uh, concert series on the beach, and fate's got to have its way at some point you've got to bring the guys you guys have got to play here in huntington get you back into town for a homecoming show i think that would be cool i would love it you know that would be very cool yeah i, I hope that could ha- i hope that'll happen well and uh and um, we were talking about surfing and it, you know my favorite surfer of all time is is tom curran right uh-huh and i and at a certain point i i was all, i always read that you know, Tom's other passion is music. And I thought, well, I can never listen to his music because I admire him too much as a surfer because he's probably like me in reverse. Like, like you know. <laughs> you surf example, a little bit, you not dabble. That good, not that I'm as good. I'm not saying I'm as good of a musician as I consider him to be a surfer, but I'm a, a pro-level musician. He's a pro surfer. I, I'm a, I'm a pro-level musician and an avid but not very good surfer. So I figured he would be like that with music. <laughs> but then I heard his music and he's great. Wow, Tom Curran music. I, rec- I highly recommend Tom Curran's music. But if we play Huntington, I'd like to drag Tom down there and have him sit in. <laughs> you know what? Stranger things have happened, and I'm I'm in my head now formulating. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this one, John. If it's cool with you, I'm gonna alert all the powers that be and say, you know what? The, this has got to happen at some point, maybe next summer. But I think the Doobie Brothers on the sand at Huntington Beach would be an amazing fit, and I think having you back into town would you know would be special for a lot of people. People and uh, and that would just be a blast. So let's let's you know, stranger things have happened. Well, it, would be, it would be special for me. So yeah, if you, by all, all right. means pursue that. I'm I, on. I it. encourage you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go okay. for it with you. With your blessing, I'm gonna go for it. John, thanks a lot for for talking and you know sharing your musical stories locally. It's uh, again when you and I first started talking a year or so ago about your life in Huntington, I, I had no idea, and I thought it, at mm-hmm. some point it would be great to have a conversation with you. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, you know, I, I, one last final sure. aside. I don't know. If, do you know? I don't know if you know Tris and Bowden, uh, the drummer. He was longtime drummer for Chicago. But I know. Uh, yeah, I know of him, but I know him personally. Okay. Well, well, Tris was down in Orange County. He went to Marino High School, and we figured out that we we weren't in, at Marina at the same time because he's a little younger than me. But 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 not that much. But a little. <laughs> but Tris was. Uh, we were probably out there in the water by the pier on our surfboards at the same time, somewhere along the line. <laughs> really? Didn't he, yeah, he was in Honk, he played in Honk, right? I'm sorry? He was in a band, I think, called Honk, wasn't he? 
I think so, yeah. Because Honk, yeah. Honk was kind of like one of the house bands at the Golden Bears. He's also got some good history locally as well. So, all right, this this, this show here has got to be an extension for all you guys and a celebration of like of, of Surf City locals. So, again, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this and see what see what can can happen soon. All right. Cool. Uh, oh, and, and by the way, as far as the Tom Curran, besides when I finally listened to his music at the encouragement of my friend David Jenkins, who had met Tom. Uh huh. It was, and found out it was great. It was through David I ended up meeting Tom and, and I actually played a couple of shows with him. So now we are actually friends. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you, you went I full circle. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, then, all right. So he's got, maybe he can open the show when the doobie, when you guys and the doobies play down here. All right. So we'll, we'll have that to figure cool. out the appropriate billing for all of this. But I would say this is officially a project in the works from this point on. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will keep you posted. And and again, man, thanks for taking all the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for taking time with me. (laughs) John McPhee from the Doobie Brothers and a lot of other situations too. Clover and all those amazing albums he played on before the Doobie Brothers. And like he and I are talking there, I'm dead serious. I would love to have the Doobie Brothers come play in Huntington Beach. And we've got all of these great concert festivals on the sand these days so i'm gonna talk to the people over there and see if we can't get something together but in the meantime i hope you enjoyed that conversation i love hearing from people that have gone on to really outstanding things like john has done to get his recollections of what it was like here in huntington back in the early 60s and through the 70s and stuff so thank you again for listening i'm chris epting and this has been in the pipeline a huntington beach podcast